Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. It's in my head many years from now. Will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. That was almost in tune. That was almost, that was like, that wasn't as horrendous as your normal singing. Paul McCartney, I have to say, he's my favourite human being in the universe. And Paul, if you want to come on the podcast, you could be our first guest. We haven't been able to get one yet. I'm sorry. If we're going to have a guest, I'm going to put my foot down. Morton Harkett. No, it's got to be Crumpet. It's got to be Tom Cruise. I've been watching the new Morton Harkett film. It's called True North. Unfortunately, I went off him a little bit. (gasps) Because in the film True North, he's got a man bun. He's grown his hair and he's got a man You are fickle, aren't you? One minute he's got sparkling cheekbones and now he's got a man bun. He's got a man bun. You're so fickle. You're so fickle. What is it? It just shows something about their character, men who do that. I mean, remember him in the 80s? He had this lovely 80s quiff. And now he's got a man I could divorce someone for a man bun. No. It's a bit like a donut on EastEnders. You know, the barmaid on EastEnders. Nick's got one at the moment. Bloody what? You've got a donut. Yeah, I've got a donut. Is it, is it, what's wrong with a donut? You can you can It's a bit East End barmaid. Oh, come on, me and Babs. Me and Babs, we are as one. Anyway, do you want to know why I'm playing when I'm 64? Why are you playing when I'm 64? Because there was a reason. This is called planning a podcast, Megan. <laughs> She's the queen of planning the podcast. We don't have 18 people doing our podcast, do we? We've got two and a half. It's us. Who's the half? Rosie. Oh, Ro- I can't say Rosie's half. She she makes us sound half decent. Anyway, the reason I'm playing when I'm 64 is because in this Sunday's Mail on Sunday, I am on the cover of the health section. Dun, dun, dun. And it's all about finding out your biological age. Now, all of us have a chronological age, which we know by counting the candles on the cake. Yes, that we we lie about. (laughs) So my biological age is 64, Paul. Are you dreaming now he's singing that directly to you? I I would still love him when he was sixty four. He's older than that. Oh now. come off it! I think You've he's eighty, isn't Because of a man bun. Yeah, I know. I went off, come him off it. Of a, a man bun. So I went to meet this lovely doctor in North London with a beautiful house and beautiful dogs, beautiful children, and beautiful her. She's beautiful. beautiful. Really beautiful. Beautiful. So nice. It's so nice when you you meet someone who you feel they have your best interests at heart and they're going to look yeah. after you. Yeah. So she is a GP and she does a test that finds out how old your cells are. 
how old you are inside really, how old, how old your you body. Are. And so when I met her, I said to her, can you tell how old my slant cells are just by looking at me? Because, <laughs> you know, I've used sizzly skincare, I've had the facelift, dye my hair. Walk up the hill 20 times a day. Can you? And she said, no, I can't, she said. Some people can have a six-pack and they're very, very old inside. In fact, an interesting thing she said when I was sort of chatting to her was that athletes can be very, 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 very old inside. Because of the stress of the exercise. Because they do too much exercise. Like if you look out my window and you see a man struggling up the hill, red-faced, exhausted, that's not going to be good for you. You're exhausted. They don't give their bodies time to recover. So she gets a lot of athletes coming to her, footballers, gymnasts, lots of CEOs of companies. And her goal is she does a test and she took my blood and you can tell how young she is because I said to her, you, what, you're taking a whole armful? And she didn't get it. Like you, fetus, <laughs> she's never seen Hancock's half hour, the blood donor. It's black and white, isn't it? Yeah, I never understand people like on pointless who say, oh, don't ask me a Beatles question. I've never heard of the Beatles. I'm too young. I can answer questions. My specialist subject for pointless would be 1930s Hollywood. I thought it'd just be men you fancied and had stalked. Men I fancy, 1930s Hollywood, ponies. That's another specialist subject. Liz has got... Liz has Collies. Where's it, the BHS handbook? I've got the BHS handbook, How to Care for Your Horse, 1952, and I used to read it as a child. It's so funny. When I first started working for Liz, and I'm a qualified behaviourist and body worker and holistic practitioner for horses... I do this stuff with my horse that I've had, like, from a baby, like, sit under him and stuff, trimming his feathers. And she'd be like, that's not in the BHS handbook. No, I do everything by the handbook. I wear jobpers. She doesn't wear jobpers. I'm a bit of a shock to the system, wasn't I? Anyway, she said that athletes are very often very, very old inside. It's like Portrait of Dorian Gray, isn't it? So I'm doing it right then, because I don't overstress myself with exercise. And then she also said that um, about the menopause, uh, that can really have an effect at a cellular level. Um, so I kind of, I had the test and then you wait two, two weeks to get the result and then I got the results on Zoom. And I was kind of thinking, well, I'm going to be 12. Yeah, no, Liz, was, Liz is always saying I'm fit as a gazelle, I'm... She was absolutely convinced, wasn't you, that your biological age was I feel 12. I still do exactly the same things I did when I was 12. I wear the same things. I've got the same hair. So we had this meeting, and she is 50, and her biological age is 30. At 20. 20? 20. It's actually 20. Okay, she, Dr. Patel is 50, and her biological age is 20. And she looks 30. And she decided to go into preventative medicine rather than fixing people who are sick, which is what she does as a GP. It's about having a healthy old age. Because I said to her, well, do we really want lots and lots and lots more old people? Because she thinks you can live till you're past 100 if you change your lifestyle. And she said, yes, but you're thinking of age in the wrong way. We don't want lots and lots of old people in care homes with dementia who can't move, who fall over. She's thinking about healthy old age. And she said a very good example is the Queen. 
whose cellular age sort of matched her own age, yeah. really, because she was working a couple of days before she died. Yeah. She said, that's how it should be for all of us. So I said, so yeah, but the Queen has a lovely partner, great nutrition, beautiful housing, the best medicine. Poor people don't have everything the Queen had. She's got lovely skin, you know, I think. No, poor people were sort So of I said to her, you know, what about the cost? So stressed. Because the cost of the test was two seven five, and then all the holistic stuff afterwards, the chest, the gadgets, more blood tests, is and all her support is about what was it five thousand pounds? Five thousand pounds for, for the full package. But she does yeah. packages graduating from yeah. the two seven five yeah. up to about five k. Yeah. So she'll help you if you find out your age is really old. Then she'll help you for six months, which is what I'm doing with her. And I said, well, isn't it expensive? Not everyone can afford to come and do this. And people who come and have the test with you, they're probably quite concerned about their health anyway. They're athletes, they're ballerinas. And she said, well, yeah, how much did your mum's care cost? My mum's care cost £30,000 and she didn't enjoy it. You know? And actually, what's the So actually, this is you? going to be cheaper. Wouldn't yeah. it be cheaper if doctors did this on the NHS? They wouldn't have to treat you for diabetes. They wouldn't have to treat you for fatness. Heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And it's valuing yourself, isn't it? It's it's investing in yourself, in your health, in your future. Yeah. That's pretty damn important. Yeah. And even though she's a doctor, she told me this really sad story about when her father became ill when he was 59 and she noticed he looked jaundiced and he'd lost weight. And she recommended the, the treatment. She recommended the consultant. She recommended the hospital. She recommended the surgeon. And her father died on the operating table. So that was such a shock to her. No one should hand their health over to a doctor. You yeah. have to look after your health yourself. Yeah. And what she wants to do is give you the tools and the information yeah. to be able to do that. And she went, um, she had a bit of a breakdown. She had burnout and she had a fever and she thought she was going to die. And she said to her husband, I'm going to take some time out. And she went to Kerala in India because she, she's Indian. And she gave palliative care to people who were dying. And she said what she saw in India was because there isn't the National Health Service, because there's such poverty, people look after each other. So families are important, networks are important if you're ill, because you can't get ill. They eat better food. It's more vegetarians in India than in any other part of the world. She said because they feel they don't have that safety net at the NHS. And I think we've become too complacent, haven't we? Oh, fix me, fix me. We need to fix ourselves. And not just that, I think that, you know, just that the whole of the Western society, it's all about convenience food, junk food. You know, we'll get a takeaway, we'll get the um, stuff to stick in the microwave. It, it's not about investing in your nutrition. It's not about taking the time to cook a meal and sit and eat it with the family anymore. It's about quick, 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 because we've got stuff to do. Yeah. Well, anyway, she, I, I thought I was going to be 12 because, you know, I eat really well. I don't eat ready meals. No, you don't smoke. I, you know, I don't live near a motorway. Um, I'm not overweight. I exercise. I've got also part of what she says keeps you young is turning up, turning up in the world, being passionate about something, having interests. Mm. If you just sit at home watching telly, you, you, your, even your cells are going to break down. 
So I have a very active mind. I'm always reading stuff, watching stuff, learning stuff. I meet interested people in my job. I travel. So I, you know, I really wanted to be 12. You what did she tell me? You scored 100% on that, didn't you? You scored 100% on having a passion yeah. and having a reason. But it turns out my biological age is 57. Yeah, and you wasn't happy, was you? No. Wasn't happy. No. There was this silence. There was a meeting and there was this silence. You wasn't. But what's interesting is using me and all my results, and she does questionnaires and everything, the thing that's killing me and aging me is stress. Yeah. And that affects how I sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm yeah. worried. Yeah. Um, everything I do, I do it quickly because I'm worried something's going to happen. I have a bath quickly. I don't eat until the end of the day. Um, so my sugar levels is very low. Um, I don't do anything for myself ever. And she feels that it is stress that is aging me and will kill me. And one of the conversations we had, wasn't it, was you wouldn't let your dogs go all day without anything to eat. No. You wouldn't let your dogs be exhausted. You wouldn't let your dogs be compromised in any way yourself, but you do it to yourself. Yeah. So there's a real sort of thing of lack of self-care, period, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and she said one of the other reasons people age is loneliness. Yeah. It, you know, and it, she says it does help if you have a partner in your life and we all need support. So she set me on this new road where I'm going to try and look after myself. I've got all these tests to do with little vials. I like little vials. I used to love chemistry lessons. Oh, with I love a little test. Iron filings. I love iron filings. <laughs> and I'm going to wear a wellness ring and a sugar patch thing. So the wellness ring measures your sleep, doesn't it? Sleep, sleep patterns. breathing, temperature, heart rate, all all that kind of stuff. And she's going to assess me. So we're going to come back in six months' time and see if I'm going to be 12. God help us if she's not 12. But it will take me a little longer to find a Prince Philip. Yes. Paul. Oh, come on, Paul. Well, this week, because obviously we talked last week, didn't we, about horror. So we had Halloween. So I started... Yes, we don't want to get repetitive. No, we're not being repetitive. I looked at all the films. I thought, you know what? I've seen them all before. So I decided to watch... There's a new series on Amazon Prime called Devil's Hour. And it has got the amazing, and I love him, Peter Capaldi in. He's aged quite badly, hasn't he? He has, but he's fantastic as as the the character in this because he just looks evil. You look at him and he sends chills down your spine. He's, He's really evil. Really, really good series for anyone that's wanting something to different. Oh, it's a woman at. in it. What's her name? She's Jessica Rain. Jessica Rain, and she is fantastic in it. And the the detective Nakish Patel is lovely in it. Handsome, handsome, very handsome. I would definitely want him turning up to look at my murder inquiry. Definitely, he's a lovely little boy. Lovely. And it's not it, it that there are, there is a supernatural element to it, but it's not. She's an got a she's got a face. creepy child, doesn't she? She's got a really creepy, and I don't think there's any. I mean, think Chucky. Do you know what I mean? Children that are I creepy. Think, are really I think children creepy. are a bit creepy. Actually, now this this is this is really creepy, and it's 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 a really interesting interesting series because I binge watched a whole lot from start to finish, all the episodes. 
and it's very layered. I don't know so how she has time to do this, was, you know, when she doesn't come to work. It was it was Halloween. It was it was my night, and it's very very layered. So you get. I'm not going to give away the plot um, or what happened, um, but it is very clever. In there's lots of flashbacks, there's lots of taking, but it's done so well that you're never confused. You know, like sometimes you're here and there in a, in, a, in an episode, you think I have no idea what's happening. They avoid that totally. You kind of, it's like you've got the story, which starts off quite, you know, normal, and then strange things start happening. And then throughout the series, you get these little jigsaw pieces that are dropped into the plot and dropped into the episode. And then you go, ah, now I get that. Now I know why that was happening. So there's little explanations that come in here and there that make you understand why certain things have happened. So it's very, very cleverly done, very, very well acted. And I would absolutely recommend it. And, and the real horror is not the supernatural side of things. The real horror is some of the themes running through the series. So things like child abuse and, you know, sort of that abusive relationship and the dynamics between people, that that has got a lot of sort of real-life horror, things that actually happen that are terrible. So it's 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 interesting, and I'm certainly looking forward to season two. So that's on Amazon Prime, and it's The Devil's Hour. And I've also been reading, duh, 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 I've been waiting for this, Matthew Perry's memoir. Yeah, I, I've read the extracts. What did you think? Well, he was he was always he was always my favourite friend. I think was he? Yeah, I didn't Such like Joey. He was too fat. Oh no, Joey was Stupid. like I wanted. I wanted to marry Joey. I really wanted to marry Joey. But I did. I mean, I did love Jennifer Aniston, and she gave me a pair of knickers once. But okay. I really loved Courtney Cox. Okay. Because I am Courtney Cox, aren't I? You are Courtney Cox. With you me, are. With, me, with me marigolds and the who. I She has a little hoover to clean the big hoover and I've got an even little hoover to clean the little hoover that cleans the big hoover. It's a Russian doll of hoovers. So I loved Courtney Cox and I loved Matthew Perry and he was having hots for Jennifer Aniston, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and, and I have to say, this book, I mean, I read the extracts as well in the Times and... But the book itself is well worth reading. It's well worth reading. It's it's so open and bare. But you can see how he created Chandler. You can see he is Chandler in so many ways. He's got that those great one-liners. He's clearly a really funny guy. And although he's talking about stuff where he's been really open and vulnerable, and, I mean, he's had an awful time i mean but does he awful. explain why he became an addict yeah yeah i mean again it's like nothing's linear is it i mean he's got a lot of stuff in his childhood and it's quite sad actually he talks about when he was eight years old and he saw his mum crying in the kitchen and at eight he'd never had a drink or anything but his thought at that age was like well, why doesn't she have a drink then she'll be all right he associated, even at eight years old and not experienced drinking, he associated that if you had a drink, things would feel better. So he'd obviously seen that. His well, dad his liked parents, to drink. Were his parents alcoholics? Well, his dad certainly liked to drink. He was His dad was the old Spice actor in the adverts. And I'm actually going to go back and have a look at the old, uh, old Spice to see what his dad was like, but apparently he was very handsome. There's some great pictures in the book, and his dad is 
really handsome. Um, so he had a lot of vodka around, so he he drank quite a lot. But his parents sort of split up when he was young, and he didn't get very much attention. He he talks very poignantly about um, having to fly to see his to spend time with his dad, and he had to fly on his own. So he had to sort of go on a plane on his own, and he was terrified. And I think all these things, you know, lost his confidence. And he talks. I mean, he's so open, and it's it's. It's a really, really good. It's a really good book, and it, it makes you quite sad because this guy's got everything. Is is earning a million pounds a week, um, doing Friends. Is in the most successful, you know, TV series. Is at this point in the book, he's dating Julia Roberts. Yeah, he's bought a fantastic house. You know, really, you you look at that and you think, bloody hell, he's got everything. He's got yeah. success, but he's he got nearly money. died, didn't he? He did nearly die, and, and, and more than once, I think. I mean, he, he, he had one episode that he nearly died that he was in hospital, but you can see throughout his life it's it's very up and down, and he's gone to that brink and come back and gone to that brink and come back. But you look at, he's got these relationships, and the sad thing is, is he felt really lonely, but then he's got these girlfriends like, in his life, like he's got Julia Roberts, and he ends the relationships because he doesn't feel worthy because he because of the addiction. He ends these relationships that he really needs in his life because he's he's lonely. He wants support. So it's sort of this layer and it, it's it's really heartbreaking. I have to say this book really, really touched me. Well I've always said, haven't I, on on, on previous podcasts, I've never met a famous person who's happy. They're just not. I mean no. is Meghan Markle happy now? I don't think she's happy. I mean, none of them are happy. No, and and then he actually says that in the book. He and he, he talks about look at how, Claire Claire Foy. You know, we're going to be reviewing oh, the, yeah. the Crown next week, and obviously well, she's not in it anymore. But you think Claire Foy? She's in the Crown. She's now a movie star. She's really beautiful. She had a store crew thought she he was going to kill her. Yeah, you know, being famous isn't great. I've I've never met a single person, a single famous person who's happy. And and he actually says that in the book. He says. Everyone thinks being famous is great. You know, we all want to be famous. And it's only once you are famous, you understand it's not the case. But you're never going to understand that unless you've been there because you're never going to lose that perception that being famous or being rich isn't going to solve all your problems. Do you remember when I, uh, that was that funny story, when I went to the Fleece Hotel on my birthday, I thought, what, it's my birthday, I'm going to go to the Fleece Hotel. So I sat and had lunch on my own in the Fleece Hotel and the couple went past me and they said, are you Liz Jones? I said, well, uh, yeah, like, hello, are you having a nice time up in the jails? And then they said really loudly to the whole room, are you eating on your own? Oh, God. So said, and they said, but it's your birthday to no, the whole they room. They knew it was my birthday. Wow, that's just They said, but it's your birthday and you're eating. You just want to shrivel up and the ground to cover you. That is tactless. But people think they have a right to say stuff to you about your work in a way they don't. Like if I met my dentist in Richmond, I wouldn't – I love my dentist, actually. I wouldn't say to him, oh – um, have you got a new drill? Do you want to look at my tooth? Or so you wouldn't be that invasive, would you? No, and I think there's got to be a line, isn't there, between the job and your your private space. But I wouldn't jog past Paul McCartney and say, "How's how's the wife going? Have you gone off her yet?" I just wouldn't. Why well, might? 
I was going to say, you've done worse. (laughs) (laughs) You've done worse. But I would definitely say this book is 100% worth reading. It's really... I really, I enjoyed it. It's a bit, is is a bit. I feel wrong saying that because it's such a painful journey. But then he's got these wonderful one-liners on. You know, he's like in this terrible situation, and then he'll just chuck this one-liner in, and you think that's why he was so brilliant at Chandler because Chandler is him, and he's Chandler. Could you be wearing any more clothes? Yeah, <laughs> that also comes up. Or do you want to hear this week's column? Go on. I'm intrigued by the heading in which I recall my biggest turn-offs. It's, this week's column is all about getting the ick, isn't it? It is about getting the ick. I didn't know what the ick was until I, until I watched Love Island. I learnt the ick from Love Island. So this column, someone posted an interesting tweet over the weekend. It asked, would you date yourself? And it set me thinking. And the answer was a resounding No. I hate being criticised. I have high standards. I do, don't I? You do have high standards. God help me. I can't bear men who are arrogant with nothing to back it up. 99.9%. Who practice one-upmanship all the time, as though our relationship is a Grand Slam tennis match, not a warm meeting of souls, viz. My last date with a man. As I was getting dressed, he was watching the news. How do you think Boris got back to London from handing in his resignation to the Queen, he asked me. I knew it was a trick question by his posture. He was bouncing a metaphorical ball at his plimpsoles. Um, I don't know, I said. On the Prime Minister's jet? Wrong, he said. He was no longer Prime Minister. I don't want to play tennis with a man. I hate people like that. I'm one up on you. I'm clever than you. I'm clever than you. Bugger off. Bugger off. Not necessary. I could have said, well, he will get a pension, having been Prime Minister, and bodyguards for life. The President of the United States is still called Mr. or Madame President for, for life. I know that because I watched every episode of 24 as I really fancy Keith the Sutherland. Oh, you fancy him as well. I love him. He's a bit of a rough diamond, Oh, I he? so would. And when he says copy that, good God. Make it so. Oh, no, that was John Luke. John Luke, but I fancy him as well. I'd like to polish John Luke's head. <laughs> we all. <laughs> I really, really, really regretted allowing a book to remove my skins the night before. It's interesting, isn't it? What can make our libido retreat faster than his Abbey National Electron card? (laughs) Things that have given me the ick in the past. Okay, the list begins. A wash bag covered in toothpaste. When I get home from travelling, the first thing I do is I wash my wash bag. Yeah, she's not even through the door and she's unpacking. A manual toothbrush. Do people use them still? Well, I know two people. Oh. A manual toothbrush. That's what you go around the taps with. That's what mine does. That's what mine does. It goes around the taps and the toilet basin. Ungrammatical text or a text that is too formal so you know they've been composing it for weeks. People who shush you when they're cooking. Got to concentrate. They're not Marcus wearing, are they? You could shush me any day. (laughs) Long fingernails, Nicola. 
especially on your feet. I went on a press story in India with a man and he had sandals and he had long toenails and I had the ick physically. Yeah. I think I've got long toenails, actually. He had it to Bolton. <laughs> Men who wear lumberjack shirts but can't start a lawnmower. Men who belittle you to make themselves feel tall and refer to you as she, if you, as if you're the cat's mother. She won't want dessert as she's worried about getting fat. How rude. They demean your award-winning career, saying, Piano lessons? You should pick that up fairly quickly, given you're a typist. Uh-oh. Is he still alive? Manual toothbrush. What, did, what century are these people living in? You're a typist. <laughs> I'm a typist. Men who resent your veganism making idle threats, such as pastry so much better made with lard, it leads to a lack of trust. And clogged arteries, one would think. Men who, when you get home after working 14 hours on a daily newspaper, have done nothing except switch on the big central light. Oh, my <gasps> God. Who puts on the central Who does Seriously, it? don't put a damn light on. If you put the light on, you're going to be It's always dark, isn't it, in my house? Oh, my God. I'm always turning the dimmers up so I can actually see what I'm doing. Yeah, if she's been in my house and I come back and I go into the bathroom, I'm blinded. Yeah, because you like to see what you're doing. You I don't. You must walk around, like, feeling your way. Men who put the Uber driver before you. I remember that. Men who use your Aesop shampoo and conditioner. Don't use my products. Martin likes my nice products. Oh. He does. I, I, I hide them. I bet he's got a manual toothbrush. Men who wear unironed T-shirts. Men who can't name that collie. Men who don't wash their hands in the ensuite on a Dartmoor mini-break. Oh, no. Men who hate the fact that all of your money doesn't go on them. They say, Space NK... Better avoid going in there too often, low-earning bastards. It's not their money you're spending, is it? Sharon? I wonder what I do that is annoying. I know I have hearing aids that can whistle, obviously. I say, eh? A lot during sex. I won't have sex in a hotel room until I've laid out the contents of my makeup bag as if about to perform open-heart surgery. I spend longer quizzing the waitress before a meal than Meg Ryan. I tend to dye toilet seats with my fake tan. Four collies sleep on my bed, two of whom are incontinent. I always steal the man's pillows. I always assume the worst. I hate being touched or a man staring at my face. Put a metal spoon near my Le Creuset and I will kill you. She, oh, she will. Speak to my dog in anything other than a sing-song voice and you're barred. I had a photographer here the other day and Millie was part of the pictures and he kept going, Millie, Millie. I said, it's not Millie, it's Minnie and don't talk to her in anything other than a sing-song voice. That's going to work, in it? Shouting at the it's dog. It's abuse. I do everything quickly. I would rather not eat than make crumbs. I compare every man I date to Morton Harker. Here he is again, well, Morton. You, you did until he lost like Morton's like a a guest, isn't he? Apart from the man bun, he's lost favour now. You got you're gonna have to you're gonna have to resort to one of your other um, ones. No one, of course, can possibly measure up to Morton. 
said the fickle one. Do you know the worst drawback to dating me? Go on. I can see a list forming in your head. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I not texted saying you and said, "What? Why am I annoying?" And you said, "That's like handing me a loaded gun." Yeah, I, I, I'm not answering that. You must be bleeding joking. I think the worst turn off is that I have a column and I'm a writer. Well, yeah, I mean, it is like you're you're going for the starring role, isn't it? <laughs> it's like they're actually applying for. It. But Jane Usher oh, still God. went out with Paul McCartney when he wrote things. About her? Yeah, but they were love songs. It's a bit different. Yesterday. <laughs> God. God, I, I, I keep retweeting the video of Paul singing yesterday. Oh, my God. Some, honestly, <sighs> it's no. I think I want to move to Liverpool, actually, just to be near him. See, I was, not there anymore, I was quite comfortable with the fact that there was no way in hell that we were ever going to fancy the same man. And then there was Keith Sutherland and there's Tom Hardy. And now I'm a bit stressed. Do you fancy Tom Hardy? Ev- Everyone fancies. The goldfish fancies Tom Hardy. Who doesn't? I wish he'd be John- James Bond, you know. I mean, Martin Strait, I'm sure he must fancy Tom Hardy. Do you Everyone think he'd make a great John- James Bond? Oh, God, yeah, he would. But I, was, oh, I went to see Dunkirk on the big screen. Because I knew Tom Hardy was in it, and I was yelling at the screen because he was all the time he was playing with the mask on. I'm like, take the take it off, take it off, take it off, and don't stop at the mask. You couldn't see his lips. (laughs) Not just his lips. I'm interested in. I thought he was lovely in the craze when he was walking around in that suit, all East End gangster. Oh, oh, that did it for me. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Now, isn't this an, an act of serendipity? My archive column this week is from 2003, and the illustration is my husband holding a sign that says, When I'm 64. Is it serendipity or is it because you dived into the archives and found it? No, it's serendipity. I didn't know about the illustration. (laughs) Oh, that's true, actually. That is true. So this is all about age and lying about my age. So in the piece on Sunday, if you read it, and we're going to put the link in the tweet if Nick gets out of bed, I talk about the fact that the reason age has always been a problem for me and I, or I think the reason is, is because I never achieved enough by a certain age. I didn't have sex. I wasn't married. I didn't didn't get a column till I was forty. So I wanted a bit more time. You see, it wasn't just about deceiving my husband. Yeah, it's not just about looks, is it? Or it is it's what you've done. It's, it is what you've done. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that actually. Anyway, so this is two thousand and three. So. What didn't I tell my husband before we got married? Last week, he dropped the bombshell that he eats meat, that he did, in fact, tell me a huge fib in order to make me go out with him. My husband was already well aware that I'm a terrible fusspot because I didn't make any allowances when we first started going out. I've been single for such a long time, I was really set in my ways. The first time he came to my house for dinner, he was immediately divested of his trainers on the doormat. He got his hopes up a bit at this point, but was soon disappointed when I told him I don't allow shoes in the house and was even slightly worried by his socks. 
During that first dinner, Shane Y discovered that I iron my tea towels. Wash the saucepans before we eat. Don't really like sitting on the sofa, cushions, wrinkles, but that none of these rules apply to the cats. Why, I could see him thinking, is the fat black one allowed to sit on the breadboard? Squeaky. Squeaky. Love squeaky. But I have to admit that when we started dating, I refused to tell him how old I was. It was a fling. How was I supposed to know we were going to get married? There were clues, of course, but the evidence was confusing. On the one hand, my record collection includes early Duran Duran and Wham, my video collection, a well-worn copy of Pretty in Pink. Oh, Andrew McCarthy. (gasps) Pretty in Pink. Andrew McCarthy. He was always so miserable, wasn't he? Always. He's a travel writer now. And the photographs of my childhood are all in black and white. <laughs> he looked a bit puzzled when he saw my photos of a child in black and white. Just be grateful that Wikipedia and Google wasn't so... <laughs> <sighs> Bloody Californians. Why do they invent things like that? Yeah, it, that, it's ruined it for people everywhere. <laughs> Remember the first time I heard the word Google, it was Six in the City. And Carrie's dating the Russian who's a lot older than her, and Charlotte says, oh, no, I, I know her old years. And so so Carrie says, how do you know her old years? She said, I Googled him. That was the first time I heard the word Google. Oh, what did we do without Google? So my fiancé knew I was in full-time employment in the early 80s and that I'd interviewed Adam Ant in his prime. I became slightly alarmed when he informed me, stricking through my old copies of The Face, that he'd been only 14 during the second summer of love and that consequently most of it had taken place after his bedtime. (laughs) Then again, he did find me remarkably childish. I would scramble out of bed on Sundays in a real panic in case I missed the beginning of Dawson's Creek. I had mad teenage eating habits whereby I would inform a waiter that I don't eat mushrooms because they are slimy and when driving out of town would whine repeatedly, are we nearly there? even though I would be both navigating and driving. And as he readily admitted, I was in remarkably good nick, whatever my precise vintage was. I came of age, after all, in the era of flash dance and the Pineapple Dance Centre. As the wedding day drew closer, I knew I had to come clean. I lay awake at night wondering how he would feel being with someone who was old enough to have given birth to Prince William. So I told him I said that his estimates might be a couple of years out. <laughs> Just a couple. His lovely wrinkle-free face softened and he kissed my cheek. I don't think this bit's true, actually. Don't worry, Plumpy. He used to call me Plumpy. He had a sense of humour, didn't he? I quite, so apart from the, the chucking around, I quite liked him, really. You know his name's Nurple. Do you know what my friend Andrea calls him after that photo in the Times? Oh. No, it was in the Telegraph the other week. Oh, no, she calls him Nipples. Nipples. <laughs> <laughs> It was cold studio, was it? Anyway, he said, I sneaked to look at your passport a couple of Christmases ago when we were in Thailand. Anyway, who cares? With any luck, we'll both die at the same time. But I don't think that's particularly true because he did care that I was older than him and he keeps still going on about it. Yeah. But at a cellular level, we're at the same age, level. nearly. I was say, at a cellular level, that's yeah. all that counts, At the it? cellular level, I wasn't lying. So that. See, we've rewritten history. 
things come to pass. The I did actually sense. tell him my real age when he dropped me off at a tube station so I could go to work and he was driving my BMW and he was so shocked he crushed it. Really? Yeah. My God. Oh my and he phoned God. me at the evening Saturday and said I crashed the car on the way home. And then he was quite sweet, really. He said, because he said, will you get into trouble at work for lying about your age? He said, because I won't tell anyone. Oh, oh. See, he did have the, there's these little things that make me warm to him. Do you know what I mean? Apart from the shagging around. Let, let me just be called me. He now. called me plumpy. That's quite sweet. That's better than some of the names I've had. I had an ex that used to call me the Hobbit. Because I liked second breakfast and I, and I was short. I th- I think I call you Matt Lucas. Yeah, before he lost weight. That's yeah. That's that's going to help. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. you'd like to get in touch then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess come on then got time for one letter it's like being on blue peter isn't well, it? we have we should give people badges I if need, they write it i need some of those like that music you know like you get on mastermind or blue peter or something. yeah i need some music um we have shirley smith now, poor Shirley's a bit confused. She says, Hi, Liz. I love listening to you and Nick on your podcast, but please will you Google an anecdote versus antidote? Nick recently referred to Barbara Windsor's <laughs> book, and Nick was talking about antidotes. And then the next podcast, you use the word instead of anecdote too. An antidote is a cure for poison, not a brief story. I know you like to get it right as you're a journalist, and many people will expect you to use correct English. Surely you should get it right. Poor Shirley, she's not Shirley, 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 (laughs) Shirley, Shirley. You need to go back to episode one. It's a joke. (laughs) Shirley, 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 it's a joke, Shirley. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit melplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.